Good morning, people of God. Oh, what a good day the Lord has given us today. Amen. Amen. And hopefully an even better night. Holy cow. I, Party at Dave's. Oh, what's that? Party at Pastor Dave's. Oh. I have yet, in my 15 years of pastoral ministry, prayed for a sports team during a worship service. Hold on, you're not getting one today either. <laughs> it's funny because uh, uh, I've always thought, you know what, okay, it's great to have a professional sports team that you can you know, root for and get behind, but it's like, this is not the end all of life. Like, there are so many more things we can be praying for, no, like, you know, not. like the Middle East, or people, you know, things that are going on in our lives, than a sports team. If they win tonight, we're praying, all right? Well, you know... Uh, just, uh, there's uh, incentive for you, Lions. Go out I, and be- I realize that, that, that all of your prayers have the same weight with God. It doesn't have to come through clergy. So <laughs> as we're praying today, you are more than welcome to offer up your prayers for a victory on, for the Detroit on. Lions. And- Did one of our staff just literally work around me? Is that what just <laughs> happened there? I just gave them free. I'm pretty sure <laughs> our lead worship director just said, hey, just just go right around pastor. You don't need him anyways. That's true. That's where we're at. We've been around to each other too long, I think, yeah. Well, special welcome to all of you visiting with us. Uh, obviously, you're in for a treat or, or a surprise this service because we're a little batty, but uh, we are thankful that you all came to join us in person. For those of you online, Welcome. Uh, We also invite you to grab some bread and some wine or juice following our time of confession as we will uh, celebrate Holy Communion today, and you can do so from the comfort of your home. A couple announcements for this morning. Uh, As always, kids are selling their uh, subs for the Super Bowl just in two weeks. Uh, If you want to pre-order some of those, you are more than welcome to do so. The kids are going to put them together. It's six bucks a sub. There's order forms there. Uh, There's a lot of response already, which is awesome. And again, all the proceeds are going to go both towards uh, the kids doing uh, events and ministries and also for Living Waters uh, Outdoor Ministries so kids can go to camp this summer. We have a congregational budget meeting in between our services today. We're excited to share with you our plan for 2024 as far as our budget and the things that we want to invest more of our time and energy into. Uh, And they're always pretty short and sweet, so uh, it won't be much of uh, a time constriction for you. So uh, that's, again, right after worship today before in between our services. Uh, Next Sunday morning, our Sunday school kids are putting on a pancake breakfast from 10 to 11. Uh, I've been told it's traditionally been advertised as, you know, for Sunday school families. All I'm saying is if you want some pancakes, show up, all right? Uh, I'm I'm throwing it out there from 10 to 11 next Sunday. Come get some pancakes, whether you've got a kid in Sunday school or not. The, uh, The WAVE Project. So we've been a part of this ministry for many months now. There's a sign up board under the TV in our entryway. Uh, On Saturdays, we go and provide basically like a continental breakfast and, uh, you know, kind of share with some fellowship with the homeless who come in off the streets to uh, take showers in a big trailer that has individual shower uh, compartments and bathrooms. It's really beautiful, but uh, we're helping with that. So if you have a Saturday morning just for a couple hours that you're available, there's still some uh, sign-up times, some dates that need some people to go and and do that. You don't have to know anything in advance. We actually have all the supplies for you. So you just get to show up and uh, and be present with people who are going through hard times. 
Finally, uh, our end-of-the-year statements are available. Uh, Nancy has them in the envelope in back. So if you, you know, give with your offering envelope or with a check that has a name on it, we have a statement for you. So uh, just stop by on your way out today. Save us a stamp from mailing them out later this week. With all that said, let's get after it. I invite you to stand as you are able and greet the neighbors you have around you. Let us pray. Compassionate God, you gather the whole universe into your radiant presence and continually reveal your Son as our Savior. Bring wholeness to all that is broken and speak truth to us in our confusion that all creation will see and know your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior and Lord. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So as our gospel reading for today, we jump right into uh, the first chapter of the book of Mark. We're still in the first chapter. Uh, Now, starting in verse 21, I invite you to follow along on the screen. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in that synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him? At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh my. I don't think I've ever realized how fast the book of Mark starts off. We have been reading the book of Mark since the beginning of the new year, these past four weeks, and we are still just in chapter one. So far, we've covered a short prologue. We get to meet John the Baptist. We see and experience the baptism of Jesus, the temptation in the wilderness, the calling of his four disciples, as we read about last week. And we're not even through the first chapter yet. I don't know about you, but in all my years of reading, I've never read a book that offers that much action in the very first half of a chapter. But this is the book of Mark for you. The gospel wastes no time, holds nothing back, has no problem with with just cutting out Christmas altogether. No angel Gabriel, no Mary or Joseph, no shepherds, no wise kings from afar, none of that. Also, he can drop us right into the action of Jesus getting to business. Just like today's reading. We're right off the bat. We are watching Jesus confront a man who, as the Bible describes it, has an unclean spirit, casting whatever it might have been out of the man and restoring him to new life within his community. I mean, just picture that reading with me. 
Anyone else feel like it sounds like the beginning or some part of a horror movie? Right? I mean, not the man, but the unclean spirit, apparently who has possessed this guy, dares to have a conversation with Jesus, even knowing who Jesus is. And with a single command, Jesus saying, be silent and get out of here, the spirit convulses the man, crying out with a loud voice, and out it comes. Whew! I mean, Jesus was not messing around here. Now, there's a danger of getting tripped up in a passage like this because, I don't know about you, but doesn't it feel like, I don't know, we want to figure out what an unclean man is, right? We kind of jump to conclusions. We assume it's some kind of demon possession. And if it's not being possessed by a demon, then, you know, a mental illness of some sort, right? But even that is a slippery slope because then we start to compare mental illness with the possession of a demon, right? And I don't know about you, but more so now than ever before, that just seems kind of, I don't know, dangerous to compare a mental illness, which has become way more common and complex in our world today, with that of being possessed by a demon. And for the record, I'm a firm believer that we all need to be taking uh, uh, therapy, So, like, whether it's a mental illness or not, I'm just making that statement right now. Uh, If you don't think you need one because you're fine with all that's going on in the world, you're probably nuts. So, (laughs) I've always told people, uh, if you don't think someone is crazy, they're just the same kind of crazy that you are, right? So, even if this is a mental illness, it's still, there's a lot going on here. But I'm going to suggest that in reading this, we do our best to not get caught up in what kind of mental illness or or demon possession or whatever that is. And we're going to take a broader view of what Jesus is doing here in this story. Because I think it's very important. Obviously, this was shared in the very first chapter of the book of Mark on purpose. Mark needed us to hear this story to get a better of understand to get a better understanding of who this Jesus is. Kind of what kind of powers he has, what he's about to be doing throughout this Bible and why it all matters. So we're going to take a deeper look at this story. The story of a man who bursts into the synagogue crying out against Jesus. And the first thing I notice is that we really don't know much about this guy at all, do we? From the words of scripture, just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's all we get. We don't get the man's name, his his status, his appearance. We don't know a single thing about this guy other than he has an unclean spirit. But what if the fact that we don't know anything about this man tells us everything we need to know. Have you ever uh, read a story and you find that it's the things that aren't shared that are just as important as the things that are shared? I feel like that's what's going on here. I think what we're seeing here is is what happens when a human being receives a label, a distinction, a, a designation, a diagnosis, a judgment. He's no longer, let's say, Bob... The nice guy who lives down the street with his two daughters and his uh, mother-in-law. 
We don't get any of that. He's just known as a man with an unclean spirit. No identification. He's just one of those people. Like he's not even worth noticing besides the fact that he has a problem. Just let that sit with you for a moment. How easy it was for the people of this story to see this fellow human, a fellow child of God, beloved and beautiful to behold as nothing more than the label that they gave him. Regardless of what unclean spirit meant in those days, we know it means other. Not a neighbor, not a friend. He's now one of those people. And what we see Jesus doing defiantly, confidently, with purpose, is standing up to the otherness and restoring this man back to his full humanity. Right smack dab in the, in the middle of church of all places. They're a church on the Sabbath in their synagogue among some of the people who, who probably needed to see this done the most. Because again, back then, those religious elite, those were the ones who got to choose and designate people as in or out, as clean or unclean, as chosen or not chosen. And Jesus claims and chooses this man by casting out the identity that was put on him. He is no longer the man with an unclean spirit. And once again, Jesus brings him back into the community and sets up the stage for everything that he's going to be about throughout the book of Mark. More on that in just a bit. First thing I want to do is this. I want you to um, close your eyes, okay? No sleeping, okay? Take a few deep breaths and just take a moment and picture with me the names or the labels or the designations that were given to you in life. When people put a label on you, ones that tried their best to define you and, and all that you are in your life, the identities that other people put on you, or maybe even the one that was put on yourself from that voice in your head. You know those labels? Names like addict, convict, loser, failure, lazy, unemployed, unwanted, unlovable, unworthy, ugly, broken. Those words that haunt us, that we can't seem to shed. Nod your heads if you've heard some of those labels before given to you in your life, yeah? We do that to ourselves, we do that to others. And it's done to us. I remember as a kid, I know I've shared, I don't, you probably don't know a single story that I haven't shared with you by now. But I remember as a kid in middle school, I was very overweight. And the name that clung to me, that I still see in the mirror to this day, Those identities haunt us. They possess us. They are every bit as much of a demon as anything else that has a voice in our minds. Those names that we have been told that we are. I think it's honestly one of the reasons why we fail to share with others that we're going through cancer. Because 
We're afraid that we might lose our identity and all of a sudden, oh, well, you're, you know, oh, cancer patient now. Or whatever else that goes in our life, or divorced, or, or you name it, right? We choose not to be vulnerable with people just because we might be labeled moving forward and lose who we are. We know it all too well, and isn't it so easy to lose ourselves, to lose our humanity, to lose our sense of worth when we begin to believe who the world tells us that we are. Amen? So maybe, just maybe, more than any other reason, this is why Jesus came. Maybe God sent Jesus because... God who created you is the only one who has the right to tell you who you are. Not your co-workers, not your classmates, not even your friends, not even your family. Only God gets to give you your true identity. Do you hear me, people? I'm preaching to myself here too, by the way. Only God gets to tell you who you are. That's it. That's the only one that matters. Everyone else can try, but it's not allowed to stick. Not anymore. And you know who God says you are? My beloved. Believed. Important. Wanted. Worthy. Beautiful. Worth dying for. I've been doing this 15 years. I was writing my sermon yesterday and uh, just reading those words again, just like right now. I, I lost it. I was weeping last night down in the basement just coming across those words because at any given time, Scripture and the promises of God can just leap out and grab you and just to hear those words worth dying for completely rocked my world do you know people of God that you have been deemed worth dying for if I was smart I should stop right there and just say amen but I can't I'm too full of hot air I guess but those are that's the most important thing you can hear today You are worth dying for. I believe that's why we get this story right in the first chapter. Jesus is setting the tone for what he's going to be all about. He's here to defy the the forces that work to possess you. The ones that try to convince you that you are alone, that you don't matter, that you are less than. And Jesus not only defies them, he casts them out. This is what Jesus was and is all about. So just let that soak in today, people. And now let's get real. Dear ones, it is time for us to take seriously how we can make this more and more what we are all about as well. Okay, so if Jesus came to break down those walls, to let everyone in, to include everyone, regardless of who they are, what they've done, and to name and claim them as a beautiful child of God, Jesus now needs us to do the same. 
In a world that is getting smaller every day because of the vast reach of technology, how is it that people are feeling more and more cut off and isolated? In a time when there are more ways and opportunities to connect with each other, why has the Surgeon General declared that we are experiencing a loneliness epidemic? Our world is hurting. We know people who are hurting. And today, they need to hear these words, dear ones. How blessed are we that we get to hear them together. Now they need to hear it too. They need to hear how the names that the world has given them are not their real names. That their real names can only come from the one who has created them and named them from the start. The name that, that brings them back into community with him and with each other. So dear ones, may you repeat the words that you heard today with those outside these walls. Maybe people who are crying out like this unnamed man all these years ago. And may you seek the company of those who are going to repeat them to you because I don't know about you, but that voice in my head is really hard to turn off. To me, that's why we do this every week. So we can be in community and so we can once again hear the promises that we are not who our head or who the world tells us we are, but we are who God says we are. And that is beloved. And may you move from this place into the world today, knowing that Jesus comes to cast out all the names and the labels that take life and connection away from you in order to replace them with your beloved identity as a child of God. That's power right there. That's the power of new life today for you, for everyone you tell. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot thank you enough for the gift of today, for this opportunity to hear your word to, uh, to be in community together and to also hear how we are worth dying for. And not only that, but, but the true names that you give to us, Lord, give us, give us the, the insight and the vision when we look at ourselves in the mirror and dare to think, huh, wow, you are beautiful. Oh my gosh, you are amazing. You are, you are worth God dying for. And may we not only see that in the mirror, but also dare to tell someone else what a gift you've given us today. Let us share that with everyone who needs to hear that they too are worth dying for. Maybe even more importantly, they're worth living for. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. In response to the generosity and the promises of God, we now receive our offering, uh, as well as our praise band sharing their offering too. Amen. Please stand as you are able. 
We now pray for God's blessing on the church, the world, and for all of creation. As I finish each little prayer with the words, Merciful God, please respond with, Hear our prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we pray that your example of teaching with confidence and authority builds up your church in love. Make all church leaders and teachers honor your instruction and model your inclusive ways. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Renewing God, we pray for all creation, that waterways flow clean and clear, natural spaces are protected, and our planet is healed. Let us commit to thoughtful care of the earth. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Justice-seeking God, we pray for those in government and community leadership that they lead with honor and mindfulness. May they remember their covenants and be upright in their ways. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Compassionate God, we pray for all who are in need, especially those who have known rejection, any who struggle with long-term illness or chronic pain, those without access to safe housing or health care, and any in need of your presence, especially those we lift up to you now, either silently or out loud. Jack. Juanita. Cookie. Larry. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Still speaking, God, we pray for our congregation for all the gifts that are used to care for those in need and to live out your example of accompaniment, gospel witness, and love. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words through Jesus Christ our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and to confess those times when we have failed to live as God calls and invites us to live. And so we do so together using the words on the screen. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear this, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given over to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all of our sin. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all of your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people say, Amen. At this time, for those of you joining us online, I invite you to take out the bread and wine or juice that you have 
as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. This time I invite the communion deacons to come forward. For those of you at home or communing from your seats, the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. Amen. But the rest of us, soon the ushers, will uh, invite you to come down the aisle for communion. After consuming the body and blood of Christ, we invite you to continue to walk around the outside where you'll see a basket and you can put your communion cups in there. We also have gluten-free wafers. If you prefer that, uh, just let the server know and I will come running. And if there's any kids who want to come forward who haven't received uh, Holy Communion instruction, we would love for them to come forward to receive a blessing. And whether you're a member here or not, whether you are Lutheran or not, whether you can even remember your own name today or not, you are welcome to this meal. So come, for all is ready. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's love. And all of God's people say, Amen. Finally, may you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of His hand. Amen. A couple quick reminders. Don't forget to grab your end of the year statements on your way out. Uh, we will start our, budget, our annual budget meeting in about six, seven minutes. So if you want to go to the bathroom or get a coffee. Uh, and, and here's why we do this as a congregation. Uh, we only exist and do this through what you provide for the congregation. So you have ownership of this church and all that we do. And this is us just showing you what we're doing with all that you give uh, to us and with us and for us and all that. So that's why we have this meeting in just a bit. Uh, and don't forget, people of God, you are worth dying for. And with all that, go in peace. Share the good news. Thanks be to God. <laughs>